0: Code of Conduct Heavy is the head that wears the crown Crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found I took the sword out, the stone wasn't a thing Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. king God made me punch in accurate numbers. Yeah. My castle won't crumble. Nah. What I tackle will fumble. Yeah. I've been a leader when they ain't see it, but now my feet up, up. According to me, royalty didn't end with King Tut. Nah. Crown on my head. Clouds is at my legs. Yeah. Big says sky is the limit. I look down on the ledge. I'm the edge. I push the bar like I'm opening a cell. Hands in my cookie jar. You won't come out with a single nail. You I need on. all of mine. The weight on my shoulders won't fit on a scale. What's a king to a giant? What? Well, Goliath fell. Yeah. Even if we play in chess, dog, this king can't be checked. I make all my moves on the board. I invented my steps. Uh-huh. I'm a king the blood of a ruler. I feel like Mansa Musa. Musa. Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda Triangle. Look at. From my angle, I'm a king. The closest thing to being one of God's angels, I'm a king. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone wasn't a thing. Shout
1: out to Richard Rush, Look always in, in the building. I'm
0: a king. I'm a king. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is the Code of Conduct with the King podcast. I am your host, Jay Spencer King. And listen, this is gonna be an episode, okay? Before my man Ty gets in, this is gonna be an episode. I got a couple guys joining me, but I just gotta talk my talk for a minute. Did y'all see my first of all, go Yanks. You know what I mean? Let's get it. But forget today. Did y'all, did y'all see Sunday? <laughs> did y'all see Sunday? I done already told everybody, look, they they don't let the wrong, they don't let the wrong team win in the wrong stadium on the wrong Sunday. Going into a bye week, they didn't want this to happen. I'm going to just tell you, they did not want this to happen. Is my is my quarterback not the doggone MVP? Is he not? Is, is Josh Allen not the MVP? Tell, tell me right now, if Josh Allen ain't the MVP, who's the MVP in the league? And shout out to my man Brian Dayball, but I tell you what, even on that discussion, is Coach McDermott not the coach of the year? Is Brandon Bean not the GM of the year? Y'all got me messed up. I ain't even going. I'm gonna bring my man Dwayne in real quick. because because if I go if I go like this, I'm I'm not gonna bring him in on time. So I'm gonna bring him in and we gonna talk together. We gonna talk that talk together. So my man Daniel was co-host. He's he's one half of the two goalies and one mic podcast. This brother got something going on that I feel really good about, and I'm happy to be able to talk to him. What is going on, Dwayne?
2: Hey man, thanks for uh, connecting with me. I appreciate you having me on your podcast. I'm a big
1: fan. Man, thank you. I appreciate the time and I appreciate everything that you're doing. Before I bring up what you're doing though. What about this dog on game Sunday, man? Like, like- Oh, the bill- Oh, buddy. Um listen, it's
2: like anybody who was a doubter of Josh Allen or the Buffalo Bills before Sunday are no longer doubters, right? It's for for me, I I wasn't even honestly, God, and I I full wholeheartedly mean this, I was more scared of Baltimore than I was the Kansas city chiefs. Um, I, I, I have so much faith in this defense, seeing what they've been able to do with the depleted roster. Uh, you know, since the start of the season, essentially no Tredavious white, and just see just the dominance on defense, um, that they've had uh, and what they did with Mark Andrews against Baltimore. I was more scared of Baltimore, but if anybody's been a doubter of Buffalo, before then, they're no longer a doubter. Not doubters now. And Josh Allen is legitimately the best player, not not just best quarterback, but the best player in the league. And I don't think there's any doubt behind that anymore.
1: You know what? You talking that talk? I might just sit back and let you host the doggone show, buddy. Listen, like, Josh, you, you want to football? Bro.
2: Yeah, I'm not killing. just a hockey guy, man. Listen, I have I just as much <laughs> I have a wall dedicated to the to the NHL, the Sabers. I have just as much memorabilia. Like I remember exactly where I was. When the Bills finally beat the Patriots, I remember the, I still feel those emotions. I still have that, that, that cover of Sports Illustrated framed in my dining room still to this day. Not still to this day, but man, trust me, buddy. I could go on and on and on about the Buffalo Bills. And, uh, speaking of which, I'm going to be, uh, in the Meadowlands for when they play the Jets, uh, in a couple
1: weeks. Nice. I was, I'm, I'm debating. I, I feel like I'm leaning more towards no, but I'm debating going to that game. But yeah, let, let's, uh, Real quick, because I do before we talk about your event, that's the you know, that's something that is going to be happening. That's going to be very, very dope. It's gonna be fun. I don't do the hockey's. I don't know much about the hockey's. So I want to I want to talk real quick. Um, Are the Sabres going to be worth it? Because I'm coming back to Buffalo and and me and a couple guys, a couple friends I got. We're supposed to be going to this game. Is, is it going to be worth it for me to go to that game that weekend? Which game are you game game going event? to? I, I, I don't even know who they play. Man, I'm, I'm the wrong the one. It's, it's the 29th, I believe. They play the That's Leafs the on
2: the 31st. So I was going to suggest a game to go to a fun game. That'd be a fun one to go to. Um, I'll tell you this right now. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Honest to God. I'm not going to sit here and tell people that they're a playoff team because I don't believe they're a playoff team. Um, but <laughs> the best analogy I can give you about the Buffalo Sabres this season, and I think you'll appreciate this, is for 17 years, we would see that graphic for the Bills, of the playoff layout, and the Bills would always be in the hunt. That's where the Sabres are this season. They are going to be in the hunt. They're going to be on the outside looking in, but they are going to be contending, and they're going to be making games interesting come the end of the season, come, come spring. Games are going to be interesting for this hockey team. I can promise you that under Don Granado, and he's been the biggest key. Don Granato has been like the missing link that this team hasn't had for almost a decade just consistency uh behind the bench and uh you know up in the press box with kevin adams um i was a big skeptic when they when they hired kevin adams i thought he was just gonna be a yes man just yeah. kind of doing what terry and kim tell him to do um and there's just been so much turnover at coach and gm i think before jack when the jack Eichel was traded i think he was on his fifth head coach in like six six years, which is insane. Like you can't expect to have success with that type of turnover. We know as Bills fans, you can't have that type of success with so much turnover at head coach. You just can't. Like mm. it's it's impossible in my opinion. So now that we have those two positions figured out, uh, we have a good leadership core with Alex Tuck, um, Dylan Cousins is a young leader on this team, Kyle Poso. Um, you know, Rasmus Daleen is emerging, uh, as a leader as well. I know Daleen, I know the group intact,
1: and yeah, that's the know big, that's the second key. So, I know Darlene, that's the only name you, well,
0: very you said. Darlene.
1: You no, said Darlene. That's the only name I know. So, I mean, I we'll get to know I, Alex
2: Tuck <laughs> because he's a big Bills fan. Alex Tuck is a huge Bills fan, he's from Buffalo, well, from the area, and uh, you know, he's been at Almost every single home Bills game he's been able to go to, starting in the shouts on. and that's not some PR stunt where some, you'll you'll see Josh Allen in the games and some people are pumped about. It. It's like, oh look, Allen's uh, Alan's up there wearing an Alex Tuck jersey. You know, who, he's either there because he's a fan or maybe he's doing it just a for the whole one Buffalo uh, theme. But Alex Tuck is true to the bone, a Buffalo guy. And Mm -hmm. he comes to Bills games because he's a Bills fan. So, you know, know that name as well. If I were to suggest getting a jersey, if you're not going to get a Dolly jersey, go get an Alex Tuck jersey.
1: All right. All right. Well, look, let's talk about your, your event. You have something f- fun coming up for Buffalo people to do. It's a three on three charity tournament at Buffalo Riverworks, And you're going to be doing this December 9th through the 11th. Uh, let's talk real quick about it. And then, uh, you know, I'll get your, I mean, it's a bye week so I can't even get a good prediction from you for this week, but it's all good. Let's talk about this real quick and, uh, and, and see what's going on.
2: Yeah. So um, this all started um, actually, you know, back in the summer, Um, I saw a parking lot that had just been paved and, um, I remember back when I was a kid, like 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, I I said on Twitter, it would take me and my friends barely 24 hours to get a game going on that fresh pave and playing street hockey. You know what I mean? Like just like the good old days before video games and streaming and social media, when kids were just so much more like inclined just to be outside and having fun. Not to say that doesn't happen today, but it's less likely, you know, like back then you would go down side streets. You couldn't look down a side street without seeing a street hockey game going. It's a fact. And those are few and far in between nowadays. So it, it started as that and it gained some momentum. And then, you know, May 14th happened. And I remember seeing your post uh, about Pearl and it really, I'm a big philanthropist, man. Like I love giving back anybody who knows me personally, that's, I would, I would rather much make an impact um, giving back rather than taking, like I, I am a very minimalist. I don't need a lot in life. I get more of a, of a thrill out of making somebody's life better. I I'm, I'm uh, uh with big brothers, big sisters, my, my first little, Uh, Just moved to Wisconsin, uh, you know, to the school. And, and, uh, you know, I I get a big thrill out of that. And it makes me feel, you know, worthwhile, I guess. But when I saw your post about Pearl after May 14th, it really hit me to my core. And just how, you know, how much you loved her. And I I can just tell through your words how an amazing of a person she was. Just reading everybody else's stories. And I'm like, you know what? We've really built something here with that previous post. We have like a lot of people that want to do this. Let's try and see if we can take that momentum and turn it into something worthwhile. And that's how the Buffalo strong, like initiative, I guess you could say like Avengers initiative, the, the Buffalo strong initiative uh, came, uh, came to be born. And I, uh, I remember reaching out to you and you were, you know, you, I, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that you were a part of this. And I would still like for you to be a part of this at some point, come even come the weekend of the tournament, if possible. Um, and it was for me, it, you know, it started off with so much momentum and then it kind of simmered down a little bit because of some issues with, uh, getting some authorizations for the areas we were going to use. So because of that, we had to push it back to December and turn it into an ice hockey tournament. So December 9th through the 11th, we will be, uh, hosting, it's called the Buffalo Strong, uh, ice hockey tournament. Um, and all of the proceeds, of course, after cost to, you know, to pay for the ice time and everything is going directly to the families affected from uh, the uh, the tragedy on May 14th. And um, I, uh, I I'm really putting like all my heart, and my effort into this. Uh, there's Mike Carr as well. Joshua they there with uh, K, uh, KIA, the Buffalo Spartans. Spartan Warriors, they're uh, in the Buffalo Sabres Warriors programs, which are veterans teams. Uh, KIA is the, uh, they do a memorial march for veterans. They have our back and they're helping support us. And um, Pure Hockey is also a part of this. The uh, the, uh, the, the, the brew Brewhouse Draft Room is a sponsor as well. And, you know, we're all very passionate about making this work. And anything, anybody, even if you don't play hockey and you feel compelled because I know the Bills Mafia family, not just like, obviously, I'm a Sabres guy, but, you know, we're, we're all family, you know, one Buffalo, right? So I hope that can people see this and they, they take that same passion you've seen uh, in the past with other initiatives that Bills Mafia, our family has, has raised awareness about and take that same passion and bring it here. Um, and I can, like, we want to give these families you know, so a good Christmas, you know, before the holidays. And so trying to relieve that financial burden that the holidays bring. And I know there's nothing really that can really, you know, take away the pain that you and everyone else have felt. But if we can just try and relieve that financial burden that the holidays bring sometimes, that's kind of our main goal. And, you know, that's our goal. We're just going to, you know, if you want to donate, um, it's kiamemorialmarch.com, Memorial um, and K stands for killed in action. Um, you know, you go you, you go to their website, you can scan that QR code right there. And uh you, you go to the it's on the home page. You see a tab that says it there's no tab that specifies our tournament. It you just go to the make a donation tab, you click there, and under the comments you type in uh Buffalo Strong Hockey Tournament Donation. You can donate as much as you want. Um, and we're gonna be making some uh some contests here going forward. I have some pretty cool stuff to give away for anybody who wants to donate. We'll choose some winners, um, some bills, stuff, some Saber stuff. Uh, okay. So I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, you know, this word gets around and we can really make this a success because we have to obviously cover costs before we can even make the donations right. happen. Oh, sorry. No, no,
1: you're good. You're good. It's just uh, so I, I actually, I just want to say I posted it on Twitter just now. So everybody in the comments, everybody listening, if you um, aren't familiar, go to my Twitter page. You can absolutely find it. Dwayne, I want to thank you, man. I got to We got to uh, kind of tie it up, though. I have my man. I, apologize, I on me. No, no, no. You're good. I know <laughs> you're you're a podcaster like me, so we can we can get in and get going. So I want to get you back on when I have the, the maybe next week with the bye being this week. You know, maybe Let's I can get one and we can kind of just talk more about it and talk just more. But um, I want to thank you from from my heart, from my family's perspective, uh, from the people I know who are also affected by this. Um, It's it's one of those things where, um, you know, this year there's been some good there's been some good talk and some good um, attention to the east side of Buffalo and to different initiatives. But it's still not moving how we want things to move. So I just want to appreciate you for take for doing your part. Um, And and like I said, we'll we'll link and talk some more. Ladies Mm -hmm. and gentlemen, the the co-host of uh, two goalies, one Mike. <laughs> Mr. Dwayne, thank you, yep. bro. Thank you. No
2: problem. And uh, like I said, we love to come on with you again. Maybe even have you on two goalies, one mike sometime. Me and Greg Thompson talked about doing a crossover episode. Let's, Let's make it us. a big
1: panel. Let's go. Y'all yeah, make me look funny though, because I don't know the hockeys, but we're gonna do it. Oh we dude, don't
2: trust me. I'll teach you about <laughs> the hockeys. I, I promise you.
1: All right, appreciate you, brother. You have a good night. Appreciate you too, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my guests of the evening. I'm excited about this, just like I was excited about Dwayne. But this guy right here, he is about to be a bestseller, basically already is. He's <laughs> he's a great writer. He's a great author. Um, the, the book is out now, The Blood and Guts, How Titan Saved Football. I'm gonna just tell you... It, it, I, this man needs no introduction. He is Ty. What's going on, man?
3: Jay Spence, the King. I feel I, we. I can have a beer on this podcast, right? I, I cracked what's one there? open. I figured it was okay. Uh, man, it is good to finally be with you. We've kind of like lived in the Twitterverse, tweeting here, DMing there. We, we've talked about doing this, and and man, it's good to finally be with you in the virtual Will world.
1: You- you know what? The, the fact that I, I'm able to do it on the day that your book releases to me, this is great because um, we like you said, we have talked about it so much and about several different things. But but when it comes to this, let's first just let's let's get to that, man. Like I, I went and I, I don't have the book yet. I did order it. So I, I I wanted the hard copy. I'm not one of the electronic guys. I got it. I need to fill the paper. But. I've read up some of the notes and I read some of the things that that people have said about the book, and I'm very excited to hear about it. Let's get into it. So obviously, it's how tight ends say football. Uh just tell us about it a little bit.
3: No doubt. You know, I think a lot of people are wondering: like, why in the hell are you writing about tight ends? What about yeah. this position? <laughs> is is newsworthy, is new, is fresh, is different. And I think the impetus for for diving into this project head first was just being kind of an old soul, you know, when it comes to football, I think we all remember that moment of, uh, you know, being introduced to the game. Maybe it was a pop Warner practice, maybe JV varsity where, you know, you're getting hit, you're doing the hit and then you realize, is this for me or is this not for me? It's a violent game. There's an element of risk that comes with playing football that you just don't get, you know, meeting up buddies at the, meet up with some buddies at the park playing basketball or some pickup baseball or, you know, what have you, it's it, football is just different, man. And yeah. I, I feel like watching the game today, you know, with all the flags and all the fines and it, it's like the NFL is in this constant search to find a middle ground that doesn't exist when it comes to what's allowed, what's not allowed w- w- when it comes to physicality. Mm-hmm. It drives me insane. Maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I'm getting old and bald and, you know, I'm just and I'm throwing the remote around, but I, I feel like football has changed these last few years and, the more I kind of thought about it, like, all right, well, where where can it be saved? Where is it being preserved? And, and to me, it's the tight end because you have to do a little bit of everything. You have to block, you know, a three hundred pound D end. You have to go run a route and make that catch on third and eight with everything on the line. And so I just started talking to tight ends, traveling around the country. You know, threw some drinks back with Jeremy Shockey. Went down to Mike Dick's golf course. Uh, hung out with Tony Gonzalez down in Austin, Texas. Talked Man. to Gronk and Kittle and all these guys. And, and honestly like the more that I hung out with these players and from, from different eras, the more this book became something different, um, something bigger than football. I I, I think t- Tony Gonzalez put it best. Like the tight end position tells us everything we need to know about life. It makes you a better human to play the position. And I think to learn about it um, as we kind of find out from Mike Dicka all the way through to, to George Kittle chapter one through 50, you know, each chapter is, is basically a long form story. So um, it's, it's what I do, but what I try to do at go long, when I did a bleach report, the Buffalo news, Milwaukee journal said, like sit down with a guy, get in his world, get to see what makes him tick and just go from there. And, and they all do kind of intertwine.
1: And you do that well. And, in- Um, like you're, you're able to bring stories to life, which is why I think most people in Buffalo who's familiar with your work. That's, that's why we're familiar with it because it, you know, you do a great job at like getting us to be able to see through the eyes of the person you're writing about. So with that being said, I I don't want you to obviously give us the book because I want people to go buy it. But, um, if you can share like one of your favorite stories that maybe didn't make the book or one of one of your favorite stories in a condensed version that's in the book that we can look forward to reading. You know, and I hey, I love telling people
3: what's in the book. That, that's totally cool with me. We we want them to you know hit, hit purchase there on Amazon because yeah. it's it's about three fifty pages, so there's there's a lot packed in here. Um, you know, obviously in, in terms of the bills, it's it's a little tough because there haven't been a lot of legendary tight ends that have come through Western New York. Sadly, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe Dawson Knox changes that Hopefully. with with this <laughs> game. He, he he really could. He could go down as the best tight end that the teams had. Uh, and actually had a Q&A with him up at the site. He's a phenomenal dude. I mean, just an incredible rise himself. But when it comes to the Bills, I'm thinking of a connection here. Uh, Mike Malarkey is a name that people are familiar with, right, for mm-hmm. better or worse here in Buffalo. Yeah. So Mike <laughs> Mike Malarkey, uh, you know, in the book kind of does represent um, the old guard. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, he he's an old-school tight end that, you know, grew up in the trenches that really believes a tight end is that exactly that tight to the line, like getting your hands dirty. He taught his players as a coach, you know, one final shove at the whistle, just give him one extra little shove. And there is something to that. That's important in in football. I I really, I really believe that like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good that comes to the way Mike Malarkey played the way he coached. That's why we have a chapter on Mark Bruner, you know, an old school nineties tight end with the Pittsburgh Steelers who is not exactly going to be, you know, doing many crazy things in the past game, but Mike Malarkey also coached into the 2000s, in the 2010s. And the game evolved. The position evolved. He didn't necessarily want to evolve with the position. Yeah. And it led yeah. to a. <laughs> we saw it here in Buffalo, right? Um, yeah. Man, speaking of the Steelers, I was at that game. And was it 05 when they, they uh, beat the Bills with the backups? Oh,
1: brutal. Wh- Fertile. You didn't have to. You didn't have to bring that one up, man. You just didn't have oh, to do that.
3: Yeah, that was. was, was you know what's interesting though? They I think they kept their offensive line in that game, so you know Willie Parker had some room to run. Uh, but the, the, the I, I'd probably define this as like the climax of the book. Like Tony Gonzalez is doing his thing with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, basketballifying the position. He's just getting acrobatics down the field. You know, plucking footballs atop heads, just at these impossible angles. Um, he's unstoppable. I mean, really, it's there's no other way to put it. He's, he's shattering records and he's just not winning. So eventually he wants out of Kansas City, gets traded to Atlanta. Tony Gonzalez is pretty jacked. Like I'm going to Atlanta, a young quarterback in Matt Ryan. Michael Turner's my running back. Roddy White at wide receiver. And oh, by the way, my coordinator was a tight end, Mike Malarkey. Like he's thinking it's a perfect storm and he, and he still has a lot of game left you know, he did a phenomenal job of avoiding injuries. Unlike Shockey and Gronk and these guys just bashing mm-hmm. everything in sight. Um, And the first day, and I'm sorry if I'm rambling on and on here. No, Jay, like, no, this is, this is I promise. <laughs> This is perfect. <laughs> so, you know, day one with Mike Malarkey, Tony Gonzalez is, he sits down to watch film with him. And Malarkey is, it's kind of gruff in his tone, just, you know, per Tony Gonzalez and, and and, and Mike Mularkey kind of confirms this this scene too. You know he's, you know, kind of serious, kind of strict. Pulls up the film and it's Mark Bruner, uh, all these Steelers of old, just kind of shortening necks as Tony Gonzalez put. They're just in the run game, just just it's one block and play after another. And he kind of lets clip after clip after clip play and tells Tony Gonzalez in so many words, this is what a tight end is. This is who you need to be for me. Tony Gonzalez didn't really speak up at the time. He's just thinking, why in the hell did Atlanta just trade for him? Mm-hmm. And honestly, Mike Mularkey's thinking, why the hell did we he trade for Tony Gonzalez? That's not the tight end he wanted in his offense. Mm-hmm. It was an arranged marriage that was doomed from the start. So they went at it. We have all the detail from, you know, after a practice when Malarkey's yeah. trying to show Tony Gonzalez how to block and, and trying to toughen him and all the tight ends up. And he's got like a backup D lineman. And they're doing like one-on-one hitting drills just matching each other, which you don't really see in the modern NFL, a, a little strange. And Tony eventually mm-hmm. says, F this, I'm out of here.
0: Yeah. Um,
3: and they they stopped having him block power plays in the, in the run game. It, it got to, I mean, they were just – it was a bad fit. It was a bad marriage. And it, blew, and it blew up in pretty epic proportions when Tony Gonzalez was on catch number 999 for his career, one away from 1,000 in Tampa Bay, the last game of the season, Atlanta's not going to make the playoffs. They're they're eight and seven. Tampa's not going to make the playoffs. And Tony is dead set certain to this day that Mike Bellarkey was doing everything in his power to ice him out and just wasn't calling plays for him. So Tony Gonzalez is getting pissed off in the second half. They get to the last drive. They're they're trying to ice out a win and just set up a field goal to to win by 10. And they, they did call one play for Tony Gonzalez, but Matt Ryan was under pressure couldn't get the throw off Matt Ryan's a young quarterback he's not going to audible to a dump off like like he probably should have just to get him a thousand so anyways game ends they win the game they go in the locker room Mike Malarkey's going around the room shaking everybody's hand congratulating them Tony Gonzalez just getting he's absolutely fuming Mm -hmm. he wants a piece of Mike Malarkey he comes up to Tony Gonzalez to shake his hand and a fight almost breaks out, according to Gonzalez. Now, Malarkey refutes that. He says that it wasn't close to an all-out brawl, but in so many words said he was ready <laughs> to brawl himself if Tony wanted to take it to that level. So we'll just kind of cut it off right there. Buy the yeah. book. You'll get the full story of what happened yeah. next. Uh, but I talked to both sides. I got Tony Gonzalez, Mike Malarkey, and it was kind of like the, the tight end was put on trial that day. Like, What, what yeah. is the tight end going to become? Is it going to evolve into this, this weapon that's going to change the sport? Or is it going to be, you know, in tight, shortening necks, kind of being a grit and grimer? Um, it was a it was a book. It's a book full of stories like this. And I, I just can't thank everybody enough, especially
1: here in the hometown, Western New York, for, for purchasing and, and learning more about the game. See, now I, I I really can't wait to read it because that story, obviously, Buffalo fans have a feeling about Mike Malarkey. We we all, we, we already do. But I mean, one of the if not the greatest, depending on who you talk to, the greatest tight end of all time and you're stopping him from getting the big you know like that's just that's wild to me man like and the way the game has evolved today I kind of wanted to I don't know if this is part of your book or not but um I wanted your opinion on now I feel like a lot for you have some guys who block still very well but it seems like now teams are looking for guys who are almost like great wide receiver threats you know like the Darren Wallers of the world to me uh, he does some things very well as a tight end but he looks like a receiver then you look at um down in Atlanta we we, you know they they drafted probably I mean you could line them up anywhere but again like the position is evolving again um so based on your studies and the conversations you've had um what do you think is the biggest change in what we see now with tight ends versus some of the stories that you're you're talking about in your book
3: yes I mean in in 08 09 2010 there there was still some reluctance from a Mike Malarkey and he's not alone in, in coaches to evolve to to kind of wrap your arms around this this tight end who yeah he has a basketball pass but that's good he he's gonna you know leap over your safety leap over your linebacker he's gonna do something crazy down the field I think in terms of just coaches in the NFL putting their ego aside and and realizing this is something you should covet this is something you should want you know from Tony Gonzalez to Antonio Gates getting a shot I mean he doesn't even play college football and he's, he's a basketball player at Kent State you know we have the backstory on how he got his shot with San Diego to Jimmy Graham whose story is just unbelievable I, I can't wait for people to see where he comes from growing up basically as an orphan his mom didn't even want him way tougher right. than anybody realizes and to throw another ex-bills coach out there Greg Williams is a riot we talked at length for this but him and Jimmy would go at it and practice and you know a lot of fu this fu you that you know when they went offense versus defense one versus one i mean jimmy would just take the football and chuck it at greg williams's head <laughs> so
1: <laughs> greg was... williams yeah yeah you you mentioned two coaches there that bills fans just aren't aren't too fond of but but yeah he was he was a tough guy to to i'm sure it was you could tell he was tough to communicate with as a player that's just and that sucks
3: But you know what? It was all in kind of good fun. I mean, Greg loved it. Like he wanted that energy and that, that passion and he wanted his players fighting and that's what Jimmy Graham had, but he was a basketball player. I think more teams just kind of realize look, you can be a tough SOB and have that basketball pass and be athletic down the field. And so that's absolutely where it's going. You're right. Kyle Pitts is the one that's going to take this position into a totally new realm because of the matchup nightmare he poses Mm -hmm. and, Look, I think you can still learn to block. I mean, you can still develop that part of your game. I was just talking to the Falcons uh, tight ends coach Saturday, and he said, look, Kyle's about 250. He's bigger than people think, and he's a willing blocker. So if you're willing, if you want to do it, um, you can can get better at it. And I think that will be the case for him. In terms of finding just somebody who does it all out of college, that's going to be almost impossible. I don't know if there's Mm -hmm. another George Kittle that's going to come along because – colleges don't just don't ask tight ends to do that and be prolific right. in the passing game. It's, it, it, it is kind of a, um, you know, a unicorn at this point that that's why Kittle gets his just due in this book because very rarely is there a player who is going to absolutely just kick your ass and, you know, plant your face in the dirt 10 yards downfield and go loose for a 70 yard touchdown. So mm-hmm. if, if that player exists, look out, but I, I think it is going this athletic direction that you reference.
1: Well, you know, what, and that's not to keep going back to Buffalo, but I think that's why we're just now really starting to see Dawson Knox be this um, very, you know, he's he's developed now into a weapon in several ways because they just didn't use him that way, you know, at Ole Miss. They just didn't use him as a receiver. I think he had I – mean, I think one year he only had like three receptions or something weird. and But now you see he's one of those targets that Josh loves to, to go to. So I agree with you. I don't think we're going to get somebody right out of college that's going to be – well, I don't want to say we won't, because these guys every year it seems like guys coming out of college for any position now are doing things that I just wouldn't imagine rookies doing. So it's insane to think about.
3: You made a really good point there too. I mean, the relationship with Josh Allen is, is so important. I mean, that is such a theme that came up again and again with the the best of the best at tight end, where you know Dallas Clark is like best friends with Peyton Manning. They're 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 pulling these hilarious pranks on teammates. Off the field, like during training camp, they used to set a big garbage bin up, fill it up halfway with water, set it up against a guy's door, knock on the door, and and hope he opens it and just you know spills all over their stuff. So they're having fun in that regard. But then on the field, you know, in in the dog days of summer, they're perfecting like one route twenty-five times. They're not going up the route tree, working on a little bit of everything. They want to just drill down. All right, here's exactly how I want this seam route to be run. to the centimeter, to the inch, exactly how it needs to be. So when you get in that playoff moment, like we saw with Manning and Clark time and time again, it's, it's poetry in motion. And um, I think that was the case with Fouts and Kellen Winslow. Granted, they, they went at it. They were at each other's, each other's throats, you know, when they played together, Um, you know, gosh, right down the list, Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady. We all think Rob is, is this Neanderthal right with a club in one hand and, not many brain cells at work. The dude is smart. I mean, he is—he's is, book smart, yeah. but he's unbelievably football smart.
0: Yeah, to no. get on
3: Tom Brady's level, so they put in that work. Josh Allen and Dawson Knox may have something working. Where I—I I, I think that you know that that's kind of a lofty goal to get to a Brady Gronk level. But I think over time we're going to see Dawson Knox just continue to to improve because a, a tight end just always happens to be a quarterback's best friend.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned Gronk. I agree. I think I, I know it's fun to make fun of him and a, it's fun because he goes out and parties and all that stuff. But no, Gronk, man, uh, on top of him being a phenomenal physical talent, the guy was on the same page with Tom Brady, like you mentioned. He he was he was phenomenal, but he was scary. And I think that's that's maybe the reason why so many of us like to make fun of him, because we were scared of him when he was in the league. Uh, but let me ask you this. One, one last thing about the book. Um, so in doing this, I know obviously Mike Dicka and, um, you know, like we talked about Tony Gonzalez and Rob Gronkowski and I mentioned Shannon Sharp on Twitter when we talked the other day and, uh, you know, there's a list Vernon Davis and all these different guys, Ozzy, you know, Ozzy news, you you could go down a list in your, in your opinion now. And I don't know if you share this in the book, but who would you say would be the King of Kings when it comes to, uh, the tight end position?
3: Boy, you know, ev- every era is, is so different. Um, because the game, the game just constantly changes, right? That the, the, mm-hmm. the players trying to tackle Mike Dicka and granted Dick and John Mackey were you know, freak shows. I mean, to, to yeah. catch a ball and just like ram through six, seven, eight guys, uh, especially in a world where there were no laws and rules and you could just maim a tight end. I mean, Ray Nitschke is clotheslining Mike Dick across the middle of the field. There, <laughs> <laughs> Dicka tells a story like they're outside of a restaurant in Milwaukee and they, they have a brawl almost breaks out. It's, it's different times, so I'm not saying like I don't want to poo-poo that era at all. Because mm-hmm. the older I get, the more respect I have for football in the '60s. But on these highlights, you look. I mean, some of these guys trying to tackle Dicca. I mean, they they look like me. They look like you
1: know,
0: gotcha.
3: bunch a bunch of white guys that might be you know selling you milk during the week or you know <laughs> shoemakers on the I, I side. It's it's not exactly you know a linebacker of today. You know who can run a four-three. And bench press, yeah. you know, 30, 35 reps. That, that, that specimen did not exist in the 60s. So that's why I, co- I come back to Rob Gronkowski. I mean, he played right. with a level of just, just beautiful belligerence where <laughs> anything in his <laughs> yeah. path was going to be obliterated. And it was in the run game. It happened in the pass game. He had a hell of a lot of fun doing it. You know, I he think did. when I say the tight end, say football, it's not just X's and O's and, and the violence that we love. It's it's having fun in a game. It's it's authenticity. It's, you know, Rob Gronkowski just having the time of his life at a party with his brothers and, you know, drop, dropping him on his head when he after he broke his arm. It, he just did whatever he wanted to. When he played for Bill Belichick in the Patriots, when you know, we're, we're all accustomed to thinking they're a bunch of robots that just, follow like that do your job mantra and you know they can't think for themselves they can't act for themselves they're basically handed a sheet of paper and told what to say and how to say it that's the stuff I hate when it comes to pro football I mean my god let's not act like these are trade secrets from Russia it's a damn game have some right. fun it's entertainment it's yeah Gronk understood that and to do what he did with the Patriots I think was so important because you know when the Patriots win, and these these assistant coaches think, oh, I gotta be like Belichick and just kind of be an asshole publicly, privately. It's my yeah. way or the highway. They go what happens? They go to other teams, they lose, they get fired. Like that's not why you won. You won because the guy's a defensive genius, and, and there's accountability, there's discipline, there's all these great qualities that Belichick has. But I mean, Rob Gronkowski is proof you can be yourself and win. Ooh. So that spawns Travis Kelsey, that spawns George Kittle that spawns all the tight ends of today who, who yeah, they're dominating. And also they're having fun. And, and by the I think that's so important
1: for the NFL. It is. It is. And you know what, you, you talk about Gronk and even just that, that whole thing in new England, because even when Tom Brady went down to, to Tampa Bay and Gronk came out of retirement and followed him down there, same thing. Now you got to see personality from Tom, you know, I, I felt like it was weird. It was like, I think I like Tom Brady, <laughs> you know, because yeah. his p- personality was completely different than what we've assumed that it was over the last two decades, you know, and now I agree with you, man. Tight ends have absolutely, especially Gronk. When you mentioned him, uh, we, we didn't like him in Buffalo for, for those years, but I, I tell you what, I enjoyed watching him. Outside of him playing the bills. I enjoyed watching him. He was, he was unstoppable, just unstoppable. Yeah.
3: Right. When he's not concussing Tredavious white, which, you know, there, yeah, there is a point in this Gronk chapter, I, I talked to his high school coach and he would, he would have to pull Rob from games. Like he could see when his temper was going to reach that point of, holy crap, he's going to hurt somebody. I, I got to protect Rob against himself. And then Bill Belichick would actually do that too. He just didn't do it in that Bills game, right? Obviously, that that's about as dirty as it gets when he did the Trey yep. White. Awful. And I, I think that is also a theme with these tight ends where it's like they all have this element of crazy to them, however you want to define mm-hmm. it. And for the most part, they can kind of go up to that line without crossing it. But every so often, yeah, Rob Gronkowski crosses the line. You know, Shannon Sharp crosses the line. Absolutely. All, all, they all do, which is, I guess, if, if you're the Patriots, if you're a team that employs, you have you just have to kind of take that and try to work with it and harness it best you can.
1: See, I, now, my personal, but even before he became, like, this great TV personality, I've always loved Shannon Sharp because he, he, you could see his personality. Same way with Gronk. You could see it. On the field, you could see it, you know, when they do the mic'd up, or when they did that first season of Hard Knocks, or second season, I believe. But when they did the Hard Knocks, and he was on there just cracking jokes, that was the energy that made me fall in love with him, man. And then, obviously, the play on the field. But, but yeah, no, I, I, I can't wait to read the book, ladies and gentlemen. Please, please, please go buy it. Um, it, it is is gonna be a book that you don't want to miss. The Bloods and Guts: How Tight Ends Save Football, uh, and. It, if you've read any of, of Ty's writing, then you know it, it, it's, it's going to be worth the purchase. So so go out and get it. It's on Amazon. It's everywhere books are available. Man, I, I can't wait to read it. Uh, hey, th-
3: thanks so much, man. I, I really appreciate the kind words. And yeah, I think folks are going to love it. I, I'm genuinely excited to, for, pe- for people just to kind of hear the stories that I've been hearing from these guys over the past year.
1: All right. Well, let's move on. I don't want to get I don't want to end up too quick. So let's let's move on to something a little more yeah. recent or the book is recent as today. But I mean, um, I want to talk a little bit about so you you actually have the pleasure for Bill's fans as well. You host the Isaiah McKenzie or co-host the Isaiah McKenzie podcast with with Isaiah. And I think that that's awesome. The, the, for the first the first reason, I think it's awesome is because I think that we're lucky these days. Like, I'm not saying that Isaiah McKenzie is Michael Jordan or I'm not saying he's. Brett fire well, for football but you know if could you imagine back in like the 90s like after the flu game jordan you know the next day he does a podcast with ty you know it's just like you, you get a first-hand view of like you know what his experience is and now across the the nation we have um a bunch of different guys jordan poyer just announced that he's doing one you have uh in the nba you got guys and now in buffalo again we we have isaiah mckenzie show and and i think that it's it's one of those things where, you know, as a fan, a fan base, we're able to get smarter every week and enjoy the guys on a different level. What's your experience like doing the show with him? How did this come into fruition? Like, just just tell me about it, man. I I just think it's awesome.
3: Dude, thanks so much for the kind words, because that's what we were shooting for with this Isaiah McKenzie show. It's, you know, I guess the idea for it kind of started back. I did a profile on Isaiah ahead of the AFC championship game against the Chiefs and really got to know him and his background and, and where he comes from. I mean, that, he's so damn fun, you know, on social media and the stories he tells mm-hmm. on the show. Like we tend to forget where he comes from in South Florida, where, I mean, he's seen dead bodies on his doorstep I and mean, yeah. he, he told the story of a bullet grazing him. He felt the bullet grazed. I mean, he, he lived that thin line between life and death. I think it just gives him a perspective to, to not take a sport, a game too seriously, to, to be as fun-loving as he is, to, to be such a great teammate, such a great friend to everybody in his orbit. So we kind of – it It was just great talking to him. It was just fun. And then that kind of grew into having him on a happy hour with our subscribers that go long. And, I mean, he's telling that prank that he – telling the story of the prank he pulled on his grandmother, which, oh, my god, I still can't believe he did that. And when he played dead – like, he, he's pretending to be dead and waits until, like – The cops show up and everybody's at the house before he actually steps up and says, I'm alive as a little kid. I mean, that's diabolical stuff, I'd (laughs) say.
1: He's been a jokester his entire life is what you're telling me. That's a crazy joke to play. Oh, I think he – God, he might have been nine years old when he did that.
3: So, you know, (laughs) got into before last season. And, you know, I just feel like the fans who are pouring their hard-earned money into this game, Mm -hmm. right – to show up at airports and show up at stadiums. And, you know, they they deserve more than cliches at a podium, you know, whether it's in Buffalo or elsewhere. This is the NFL in general. The NFL in general really wants centralized messaging. Here are the talking points. Here's what you got to hit on. Don't get out of line. I mean, Isaiah tells a funny story where, you know, Sean McDermott with the whole team played clips of everybody kind of like saying the same thing one after another. And Isaiah said, he's sitting there like, this is a cult. I'm like, I'm part of a cult here. I can't do this. So he's a free thinker, which is just so appreciated in a game where there aren't many of them. Uh, I just thought it'd be fun. Like, let's just talk for an hour, you know, eight times a year uh, about the game, about life, you know, incorporate the fans. We open it up for questions for about 20, 30 minutes every episode. Um, and, and it's just a hell of a lot of fun. I, I just think that the fans deserve uh, to know how, how this game really works, what it's really like to be a player in the NFL through the ups, through the downs.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And look, Isaiah is honest. He, he doesn't pull back. And if, if he, he fumbles is. in a game, if something goes wrong like that Miami game, I ask him and he's honest about it. He doesn't. We talked about 13 seconds at length right after that game last season. So um, I, I think that in the end, the, the fans benefit for getting that that perspective. And that's just the whole goal of it all.
1: Yeah, no, you're you're hundred percent right. He's he's super honest and transparent about everything. He doesn't hold back. And and on top of that, his personality is is like is second to none. You know, like he's one of the, the funniest dudes. And you know, I, I just love the whole team that Brandon Bean has built. Like the, the guys that are yeah. here, I feel like it's just a team of great guys. You know, there's been years in the past where it's like you know, like this guy doesn't quite quote unquote fit what we think is the culture here. I don't see any guy on a roster like that at all. And and Isaiah McKenzie, shout out to him. Um quick question for you about him, since you, you, you know, next time you have a show with him, can we ask him about because I I really I'm curious. What does he see himself? Obviously a wide receiver, but I feel like the way the team um uses him. So special teams, obviously they've used him as special teams. He's had some some rough times in in punt return at times, and then now they're using him in a kick return capacity. Um, but I, I feel like there's a lot of times where it feels like he's going to get more involved last year they used him in the Patriots game. And he was like, you know, like I'm here and then kind of wasn't in there again, you know, and it's, it just seems like it's an up and down with usage with him. Um, I want to know, like, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like he should be more dangerous to with this offense, but it just seems like they don't, they don't use him in that capacity. And I don't know if it's like depth. I don't know if it's that he's just not on it. Uh, I'm not gonna put the somebody in the comments is like ask him to stop dropping passes. I'm sure he, I'm sure he uh, will address that because he's very again you're, he's very honest. He addressed the Miami game at length, and I thought it was great when he talked about I was trying to get out of bounds. What do people think I was doing? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just want to from his perspective because I I, I I don't understand. I think he's a dangerous weapon, man. I've seen him in, in this off or in Brian Dabo's offense in ways that like yo, this guy could really this guy could do it for us. Do you have a a opinion or perspective on that? Even obviously, he's not here.
3: Right. I mean, I'm with you. After that New England game, or I guess leading up to that New England game, it always just kind of seemed like he was a a Christmas ornament. Right. He's just kind of jet sweeping around and and kind of a decoy, and they they trying to get a linebacker to take a step that way to send somebody else the other way. And he he had all the speed bottled up. It just wasn't really used much at all. And I mean, granted, they were winning most of the season. Then, boom, what happens? Indy, he has the turnover. He's kind of painted the scapegoat out of that game. I mean, they couldn't tackle Jonathan Taylor. And Isaiah's the one who was, like, benched. And he was pretty honest about it on, on one of our shows. I mean, he it, it, that definitely hurts him, you know, mentally mm-hmm. for a few days to kind of get over that. And he got back on the field thanks to COVID, right? I mean, if those receivers don't get COVID, he's not playing in Foxborough. Lights it up. Josh Allen goes to him again and again and again. And you know, I, I guess to answer your question, I, I I think in theory he he really is the slot receiver that's replacing Cole Beasley. I mean, in training camp, he was incredible, right? I mean, he was the star of training camp. Now that the games have begun, it's just it, it's been a roller coaster. For being honest, right? There's been a lot of good. He has scored touchdowns, you know, in the red zone. Like I mean, Josh missed him on. Josh Allen missed him in Miami, right? He kind of dirted that throw. So maybe he's the hero of that game instead of the coat if the ball just gets to him. At the same time, the inconsistency is real. I mean, he'd, he'd sit here and be as honest as anybody about it, that that was a bad day for Isaiah McKenzie. Um, I, but he's had bad days before, and he's bounced back from those bad days. And, you know, as, as somebody who's been as, as critical of Sean McDermott as I've been, I give him a lot of credit for not pulling him. I really thought the head coach was just going to – get him out of there Um, after those three mistakes, he didn't. I mean, he he still played, and he still believes in him. I I don't think that Isaiah McKenzie is just going to, you know, fade off into the sunset post by. I mean, Khalil Shakir looks like a good player who has a role in this offense, but this is a pyrotechnic offense that needs four or five weapons unleashed in all directions. And I I do think that Isaiah has a role. Like, is he going to be Cole Beasley getting – 100 targets? No, because Stephon Diggs might be the best receiver in football. Gabe Davis is a rising star. Dawson Knox just caught a game-winning touchdown. But all these guys, I mean, there's going to be plays when one of them's covered and Isaiah Leak's free, and he just can't trip over himself in the end zone like he did in Kansas City. He's proven he can bounce back from these mistakes. He's done it in the past, and I I would think he does.
1: I I hope so, you know, and – so with all transparency, I've I've been critical of him in the past, like with the special team stuff. And I was a big fan of him in the offense, like I mentioned earlier. And I'm like, look, you put him in the offense, I think this guy is going to be incredible. I don't want him return to punts like So that, I was very clear with that. But I think I think the reason for me is um, when you when you look at guys like like Isaiah, it's like all the you just see all the potential. Yeah. all like in the world and then when it do- just doesn't happen i think the disappointment really like it sets in differently because you really want to believe that this guy is like exactly who the potential says he can be and man it just uh, i love isaiah so <laughs> moving on from that too <laughs> moving on from that i do want to uh, get your opinion on on the game uh, I, at the top of the show normally i do a monologue but then i had Dwayne jump on so i didn't really get a chance to do it what what a hell of a game like what a game <laughs> You know, I, I I this might sound like blasphemy,
3: but I liked just from a objective consumer of the sport, mm-hmm. I liked Sunday's game a hell of a lot more than that divisional playoff game, right? I because it nothing came easy. I mean, both teams, yeah. both quarterbacks were trying to figure stuff out and it was it was a grind for that the first 3 quarters really and 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 both teams kind of playing chess, taking away each other's best players and there, 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 were some turnovers, but there weren't like blatant errors. There, there weren't just, um, you know, blown coverages and mm-hmm. and this guy's running free for sacks. I, I just feel like it was a quality football game, a good twenty-four to twenty game between the two best quarterbacks in football, the two best teams in football, and defenses that are a hell of a lot better than they looked in the playoffs last year. And Absolutely. I mean, Von, I, I guess the takeaway here is Von Miller. He he was worth every penny in this game to just end. Three drives to win the game. It's he was the Mahomes stopper. He was paid to be in this regular season game. I mean, they paid him that money to do it in the playoffs. This still doesn't really feel like a re, re, revenge. You know, they didn't avenge no. thirteen seconds. That 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 comes in January, but it was a, it was a sweet win for the team. And and Brandon Bean is, is coming out of this looking like a genius because Von Von Miller at his age, thirty three, going on thirty four as a pass rusher that relies on agility and athleticism and speed, it, it's a huge gamble. And he's gambling on Von Miller, keeping his body in like peak physical form and knowing when to take his chances as a rusher and
1: when to affect the game. He's been doing that all season. And you know what? I, I think also on top of that, just the just having him in the building because Greg Rousseau, I mean, obviously players develop and they take a few years, but I don't know if he develops this same way, this quickly, like in a year, you can just see such a huge difference from this time now in this season versus last year. Like Greg Rousseau, you could you could see the physical attribute. He's long, and he, he, man, he's playing lights out. Man, he's playing lights out, and it's just fun to watch. But but on offense, uh, or really not offense. Let's just I want to talk to quarterbacks for a moment, man. Like, have you ever? They want to compare it to to Brady and Manning, and they want to compare it to other great quarterback matchups. I just don't know if I've ever. Now I'm biased because it's Josh, but it's like, I just don't know if I've ever seen uh, two quarterbacks that have the ability to do the things that both these guys can do on this type of, I just, I, I don't know if I've ever seen it, man. Like yeah. Josh, have you like to your recollection, have you ever, what can you compare this to? Cause I don't think you really can compare it to the Brady man. Right. I mean, it, it's the best of
3: our generation of this era. You know, I, you know, I, th- I think I started this pod saying like I'm a I'm an old man trapped in a middle aged body. I still kind of like that. I mean, the '90s is my wheelhouse, man. That's when the NFL was at its peak. So, like, give me Favre, Steve Young, you know, Marino, Kelly. Like, I just felt like that was the golden age. It's hard for me to say like This is the best quarterback play I've ever seen." When the quarterbacks of the '90s, I mean, <laughs> they're getting dinged constantly, hit. Constantly, and you can't touch quarterbacks today. So if you're Josh Allen, you Patrick Mahomes, and you know you can dance around back there and make some magic. I mean, mentally, that that's that's gonna lead to what we saw in the playoffs last year. Um, but it's it's the best. You know, what, what comes to mind when I hear Allen Mahomes, and we wrote about it at Go Long when, when I launched the new when I launched the website. It's just wild that you know Terry Pagula, the owner, he knew what Patrick Mahomes was gonna be before anybody. You know that yeah. that fall. Before, way before Kyper McShay were even thinking about this guy as a first-round pick, let alone yeah, yeah, a future yeah. Pro Bowler Hall of Famer, I, the owner of the Buffalo Bills just saw something special in Patrick Mahomes. Like I mean, that just says a lot about his football intellect, at least in this case. And yeah. I think it also says even more that he didn't go full Jerry Jones until the Bills and Whaley and Monis, my pod co-host, and Sean McDermott, who had the final say because, I mean, Whaley and Monas were fired the next day after this draft. It says a lot about the owner to not just step in and say, Give me my guy. I want Mahomes. He kind of let Sean do his thing. And if you're going to have a consolation prize, it might as well be one the next year who you can at least have that argument now might even be better than Patrick Mahomes. I I can't get there yet because you got to do it in the playoffs. Mahomes has a Super Bowl ring. Like we, he's beat Josh Allen twice in the playoffs. So, that that's still a leap, but it's a conversation now, which is crazy. Yeah. So think th- things worked out pretty well for Buffalo. So th- with that being the backdrop to everything, it, it just makes it fun as hell to see these guys compete. And, and we're gonna see it again and again.
1: It's incredible, man. It's incredible. And and you're right, like Josh, um, it's a conversation. I think it's a conversation that a lot of people in Buffalo just don't want to have. And they just want to say that Josh is better. But I agree. I think I think when you look at physical attributes, you can say, yeah, Josh can jump and run in ways that Patrick Mahomes can't. But Patrick Mahomes has shown so far that he can lead his team in ways that Josh hasn't. I'm not saying that he can't. He just hasn't. We have we don't have a Super Bowl. And I'm praying that this is the year, but we just don't have it yet you know but but man it's it's, it's absolutely fun to watch uh stefan Diggs and gabriel davis like you mentioned gabriel davis is a is a rising star and that josh said over the summer i don't look at davis as a, a wide receiver too he's a 1b to, to stefan Diggs, and you can absolutely see it man he throws to both of those guys with a level of comfort and confidence that you know baker mayfield wish he had you know like he just wishes and it's beautiful to watch man so look yeah. We're going to get out of here soon. We have a, another show coming up. Last night typically is the John Fina or it's the off tackle with John Fina with my man, Joe Miller. They couldn't do it because they were at the KC game. So they were traveling. To me. So I'm gonna make sure I cut off on time here. So before I do, <laughs> uh, I didn't even get to talk about go long. I, I'm, I'm tripping here. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs>
3: you're good. No, you're, you've you you been showering me with love, Jake. Come on now. There's you more More than enough kindness from you.
1: Well, you know what? I really think, and so everybody, and most people in here know me, and they they obviously follow. I uh, would think and follow me on Twitter, and you follow me on. We follow each other. I've never had any any negative interaction besides like our little Benny. I don't even want to call that a Benny. I was Benny. gonna say we, we gotta end with Benny, Benny the Butcher. <laughs> we gotta talk oh, about how the do Benny. we barely lead? <laughs> oh I didn't God. think about that at first. I didn't think about it till just now. <laughs> that was the only time that I was like, "What is Ty doing?" But no, dude you know and we talked about that privately but you know for me it was just I was coming from a perspective that like look Benny like you talked about Isaiah McKenzie Benny comes from a neighborhood that I'm very familiar with so to see him rise to the place where the bills are like yo let's put this guy on let's have him do the remix to the song it was like no hate to Benny like I don't want any hate to Benny and and I love the professor as well to me it was like it should be both I just didn't want to yeah. one of them against each other in that. Sense, I mean,
3: I, I'm I'm a shit stirrer sometimes. I'll admit, <laughs> I like being a contrarian, and I don't. I haven't listened, and I like rap. I really do. I just I haven't really listened to Benny the Butcher, and I saw the, the 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 Mafia remake, and I guess that was on my mind at the time. I'm like, eh, I don't yeah. know. I thought it was okay. And it just seemed like a really good opportunity to to piss people like you off, and I I took yeah, it. I, what can it. I you say? Did I did, and and and, and it kind of gets lost on Twitter though. Is uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> there's somebody says to I was pissed at time. I can't lie. Yeah. It's you can't like you can't get the hint of like uh, sarcasm on Twitter. Like I really don't give a shit either way about about Benny the Butcher. I I don't. I mean, I haven't listened to his music. He might be amazing. I probably should give him a shot. So that'll be my homework after this show, but. Um, <laughs>
1: It was good to kind of whack away at the Hornets' nest on Twitter for a few days. Yeah, no, you got us, wrong. you got us robbed up. You did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, let everybody know where they can find. Um, obviously, first shout your book out again, where they can buy it. Um, shout out your website and anything else that you have coming up. Any good content that that we should be plugged in for?
3: Hey, I, I appreciate the opportunity, man. Uh, yeah, the blood and guts—it's out now, so you can get it. You know, right in person. You know, I'm go to Barnes and Noble on McKinley—that's an option, and. If you're like, you know, the, most people right on Amazon is probably the best way to go. So uh, the Kindle's out, the hardcover, the audiobook. The audiobook, I've kind of gotten into Audible myself, and nobody wants to hear this voice for 12, 13 hours. So rest <laughs> assured, you don't have to. There's a much better voice. His name's Alan Carson that narrated the book. It's awesome. He's got a very blood and gutsy voice to him. Uh, so that's an option as well. And, and yeah, go alongtd.com. always welcome uh, your subscription. You know, you don't, you don't have to pay right away hop on the free list for a while, get a sense for go long, and you can always upgrade down the road. So um, that's always there. The Isaiah show. I've got the podcast with Jim Monus, uh, mm-hmm. who was, you know, Doug Whaley's former right-hand man, and he's always got some wild stories to share. And
1: Yeah. And yeah, we're, we're staying busy,
3: man. Yeah. Jim absolutely. And you know Jim, right? have yeah. talked to Jim. Yeah.
1: He came on to code of conduct a couple of times, had a great, great conversation. I might have to reach out to him again. Great guy. So uh shout out yeah. to Jim and Doug. Honestly, shout out to Doug. He um, I know again, Bills fans have certain feelings, but you know what? He had a good eye for talent. I think if he would have, I think if he didn't miss on quarterback, there would be a completely different conversation about Doug Whaley. And that's just the way I, I see it. I could be wrong. Don't beat me up in the comments, guys. But I just I really feel like if if he would have hit on a quarterback. I think we would have a different conversation, but ladies and gentlemen, you've just tuned into a great show where we got a lot of good information about tight ends and football in general. Ty, thank you so much, man. I, I, I can't wait. We got to do this again sometime.
3: 100% man. Did you just say the word and we got to have you on our podcast too. Let's do a little home and home.
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. So ladies and gentlemen, y'all know how I do it here. Y'all love each other. Take care of each other and live in peace. And as always stay positive, test negative, go bills. Code of conduct. <laughs>